us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love, and may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, so often in my ministry, um, I've encountered people who come to church looking for something. Occasionally, it's a deep curiosity about faith. Sometimes, it is to find an end to their pain and their suffering. Often, they are asking a deeper question about life and death. But in every case, the person is not altogether sure what they are seeking. And they've come to find some answers. They all come with questions. And what I've discovered in my ministry is that questions lead to more questions. And more questions lead to more questions. So let us rest in our questions today, but also turn to this text that can help perhaps explain how we come to God with our questions and what do we do with that. You all probably know that uh, as the Gospel of John begins, it begins in deep wonder. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that mystical poem concludes with the words, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, literally pitched a tent among us. But the Gospel then quickly changes scenes to a confrontation between John the baptizer and religious authorities. And they ask him, who are you? And John responds that he is neither the Messiah nor the prophet Elijah who was predicted to return, nor Moses the lawgiver. Rather, he is the one, the forerunner, the herald of the coming Messiah. And then we get to our reading today. In our reading today, we hear that John, at the edge of the River Jordan, sees Jesus coming and points to him and says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I need to say a little something about that, as you might imagine. It seems, his words seem to cast Jesus in the role of a kind of sin offering, right? The one who takes away the sin of the world. But there's some interpretation differences about that that we need to pay attention to. Three, specifically, I'm sure there are more, but three, specifically, three factors that suggest 
that the Lamb of God isn't about sacrificial atonement at all. Now, I know most of us grew up in churches that told us that Jesus had to die in order for our awful selves to have any redemption at all, right? But I want to tell you that that sacrificial atonement that is taught is not consistent with what is actually happening in the Gospel of John. First, in those days, bulls, goats, and adult sheep were the typical animals used in sin offerings. Sin offerings did exist. They were brought to the temple, and they were sacrificed on the altar in order to expunge people of their sin, right? But it was bulls and goats and adult sheep. Lambs were not used for that. The second, in the Gospel of John, the writer identifies Jesus with the Passover lamb, a lamb that wasn't a sacrifice for sin, but in fact was a redeeming gift, a gift that saved the people of Israel as they put, put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And the angel of death went over them, and so they were not only saved from death, but this was a liberation of their slavery. It was a liberating sacrifice. The third, the word John uses for takes away in this passage, is interesting. It's a Greek word, aro, A-I-R-O. Write that down in your head. Aro, meaning to raise, to lift take away it's the same okay this is a good part it's the same word that we hear in the gospel of john in chapter 20 and you know what happens in chapter 20 it's the resurrection story it's the same word that is used when when the stone had been taken away from the tomb in other words Yes, Jesus comes to take away the sin of the world in the sense of rolling it out of the way, destroying it, abolishing it, or lifting it, as in lifting a ban. Now, think about this. That's pretty amazing, don't you think? That the work of Jesus was to save us from sin, but not in a sacrificial atonement, but in a liberating way, in a way that redeemed us and gave us new life and lifted us up and put the sin away from us. Now, I had to just say all of that because it's the first part of the reading. But now I really want to talk about the second part of the reading, which is why I really wanted to talk about it anyway, but I had to say that first part first. The second part of the reading is what I want to talk about today. This is the gospel story found in the gospel of John calling the first disciples. And it tells us that Andrew decides to follow Jesus because A, he had been recommended by John the Baptist, and then spends a whole day with him. Simon, who later becomes Peter, for his part, decides to follow Jesus based on Andrew's recommendation and perhaps the fact that when Jesus saw him, Jesus recognized him and welcomed him. Strikingly, 
these encounters, well, Jesus makes no explicit, explicit arguments, no pitches about the benefits of following him. Do you notice that? There, there's not this hard push that this is what you need to do. This is what you have to do. You have to follow me in order to be redeemed. That's not at all what Jesus does. Jesus instead um, asks a question, which rabbis are known for, right? What are you looking for? Jesus asks them. What are you looking for? It's a good question. It may be the question. When some, someone shows up at our church, maybe we need to ask ourselves, what are they looking for? What are you looking for? Direction? Meaning? Hope? Something spiritual? In John's gospel, Jesus always shifts from small talk to deeper conversation. And I just have to say, I can't tell you how many times I miss the deeper meaning of the questions that are asked in the gospel or anywhere else. I'm busy. I'm, uh, I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot going on in my head. So I miss the movement of Jesus into a deeper meaning. And clearly, Jesus asking the disciples, then and now, what are you looking for? has a deeper meaning than we might think. And in response, the disciples ask literally, where do you stay? Or where do you abide? We get the English translation as stay, but isn't abide a deeper word here? Where do you abide? Where do you rest? Where do you live? This is what they're asking. Why? Could it be that perhaps wherever Jesus dwelt, that is where they want to be? That is where they want to be. Jesus' question stands out this week as a challenge and a promise. For both Andrew and Simon, this is the primary question. And it was not just about them, and it's not just about us either. It is the question for our world and our community. And how we answer it is a part of our role in the sharing of God's abiding love and offering hope to our broken world. If we were to invite a friend, pick any friend, pick a friend, and invite them to experience the best of our life, the best of your life, specifically, what would you invite them to? Well, you know, I'm a church geek, so I'd invite them to worship. Maybe you'd invite them to a meal. Maybe you'd invite them to serve other people in a project of some kind. Maybe you'd invite them to a prayer meeting or a vigil or a rally. When and where do we most vividly, experientially embody the gospel we proclaim? That's where we invite them. And how might we explain what it is that we are looking for? What in particular might someone come and see 
in our community that might cause them to decide to step more fully into God's mission of liberation, love, and joy? Well, whatever our story and whatever our questions, this ancient story is never just for our sake alone. It's also for the sake of others and ultimately for the sake of creation. God's liberating love and redemption continually expands out into the world, beyond ourselves, beyond our families, beyond our community, beyond religion, beyond humanity, beyond, 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 finally to embrace the whole of the cosmos with even our enemies included. And you're like, I knew she was going to say that. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Even to include our enemies. One of the most celebrated pocket-sized answers to the question, what are you looking for, is found in answer by the late theologian Frederick Beekner. May his memory be a blessing when he wrote, what are you looking for? You're looking for the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Well, you know, today, tomorrow actually, we will remember Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Today we do because we make it a Sunday to remember him, whose life and ministry we remember. And I think he embodied this idea of his deep, his deep gladness meeting the deep hunger of the world. I think he lived that. And, and I think he heard God ask him, what are you looking for? And we can never forget that Dr. King's message came not only from his experience as a black man in America, but from his deep faith in the word made flesh. In the summer of 1963, you know, he came to Washington and in a book entitled Parting the Waters by Taylor Branch, we hear a story that I think is just phenomenal. When I taught speech at a community college while I was in seminary, I, it was a public speaking class and I required my students to watch Dr. Martin Luther King's speech at the Washington Lincoln Memorial. Because what you see in that speech is that he's going along, going along, like a lot of preachers, going along, going along, going along. <laughs> and, and it's kind of, uh, it's hot. It's really hot out there. So he's going on and on. And then all of a sudden, something happens to him. And he looks up from his text, and he begins to speak extemporaneously, and that's where we get some of the language of, I have a dream. Well, this is the story that goes with that. Dr. King's speech was written out the night before, and he shared it with colleagues and the press. But something happened in the moment of his speaking. After a powerful quote from the prophet Amos, let justice roll down like waters. Do you remember that in his speech? The crowd responded aloud and applauded and shouted, and he couldn't bring himself to finish the lines he had written down. Instead, what happened was Mahalia Jackson piped up as though in church, and she said, tell him about the dream, Martin. 
Whether her words reached him or not is not known, but Dr. King knew there was no alternative but to preach. And when Dr. King moved on to talk about the dream, it was clear he wasn't just talking about a political agenda. He was talking about the reign of God. And it wasn't just his personal opinion. He was talking about the vision of God for the realm of God on earth. And his words rose up from his deep faith in God who had called him in the first place, asking him, what are you looking for, Martin? Reverend Liz Miller, who's the pastor of Edgewood United Church of Christ in East Lansing, Michigan, tells a story I think many of us might identify with. She explained that she went to a basketball game, and she had an invitation to follow Jesus from two men flanking the pathway as she tried to enter the arena. She said their invitation was grounded in bullying, shouting that she would soon be hellbound and in shame, reminding her that she was nothing but a festering pile of sin. Well, that's kind of an invitation, isn't it? And she wrote, even though I will follow Jesus just about anywhere, my reaction was to put as much distance between my body and theirs as quickly as I could. We know that. Reflecting on the event, she wrote, when we're looking for how to word our invitations, maybe we should go back to Jesus' invitation to those first disciples to come and see. <laughs> this short and sweet phrase invites curiosity and wonder. It invites listening and learning. It doesn't condemn. It doesn't frighten. It doesn't bully. It doesn't come with a litany of requirements or a laundry list of expectations. It is an invitation that in implicitly says, come as you are and see who I am. And that's it, isn't it? That's the answer. When Jesus asks, what are you looking for? He already knows the answer. Come and see, he says. Come and see who I am. Come and abide and dwell with me. By inviting each other to come and see, we discover Jesus in the joy of connection, in the revelation of God's love, and in a life shared together following Jesus. This is the good news on this day, this Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday. Thanks be to God. Amen.